see up here we have this title, A Place for Everyone. It sounds very utopian, if you will. Kind of, uh, what do you mean by that? So uh, we'll get into it. I think I've been, me personally, I've been wrestling with this issue um, for a long time. Um, a matter of fitting in and kind of where do I belong? What's my purpose? What's my plan? And, um, and I think every single person in this room, whether they admit it or not, has uh, wrestled with that issue. Where do I belong? Where do I fit? And uh, as a body of baptized believers, we have to answer this question. Everyone in the world, the church, is looking for an answer or a place to be. And I think right now, so many people are asking this question, what's their purpose? Because, you know, they're lost. The world is lost. The world's literally turned itself upside down. And um, I think part of that is because the church is the same way. So I'm going to tell you now, these are things that we're not going to do today. We probably won't run around. Somebody's probably not going to roll on the floor. Um, you, you may not even hoop or holler. We have to have a real conversation. You know, in our house, we'll have family meetings. Hey, we got to talk about some stuff. So I think today, it's going to be that day. Right, wrong, or indifferent, but it's going to be that day. Because um, I, can't, I, I, can't, I can't take it. I can't take it anymore. I, I really can't. You know, um, we as believers, as followers of Christ, should be actually leading the charge in the direction that this world is headed. Yeah. And we have been so complacent to take a back seat and let someone else figure it out for us. And we wonder why the church isn't filled. You wonder why people reject the idea of spirituality. I'm not even talking about religion. Why people reject God is because we don't know. The church is suffering from an identity crisis. Yes. Yeah. And it's all self-inflicted. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But there is a place for everyone. Yes. I think we have been treating, not, when I say we, I mean the church as a whole, the body of Christ, has been treating the church as a country club. Yeah. Whereas I made it in, so now I can look down on you because you're still out there. Yeah. Am I out of your shot, sir? Sorry. And um, we have to change that paradigm because, you know, Jesus didn't die on a cross for you to preach to the choir, right? He died on a cross so you could preach to the world. So while preaching to the choir is nice and it will make you feel good, you're not really doing anything special. You're just repeating the same thing over and over again. So, um, so me and, and the big guy have been talking about this for a while um, because I'm guilty of doing this. I am a proficient faker. I am a talented actor. Chameleon, if you will. I can fit in almost any setting. You put me in front of CEOs, common folks, police officers, lawyers, judges, doctors, whatever. I can play the part. And we've been doing that for quite some time. So today we got to figure out who do we want to be? Where do we fit in? And the church should become a place for everyone. But until we can start inviting all of these people in, until we can actually start seeing this as a place where everyone belongs, yeah. we have to deal with us first. That's right. So 
I have two Sundays to deal with this identity crisis. So, sorry for you, but good for me. So we'll talk about the church first today. So when we, when we talk about the church, I'm going to give you this definition. Zondervan defines the church. The church is the people called by God who are united by their faith in Christ and by their common life living in him. That's what the church is. The church is the people. The church is the people. So there is a place for every person in this collection of people. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read verse 12 through 14. And I'm reading this in the Amplified Bible. And it says, For just as the body is a unity, and yet has many parts, and all the parts, though many, form only one body, so it is with Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One. For by means of personal agency of one, the Holy Spirit, we are, whether Jews or Greek, Slave or free, and baptized and baptism united together into one body, and all made to drink of one Holy Spirit. For the body does not consist of one limb or organ, but of many. So by definition here, by what we're seeing here in 1 Corinthians, it's saying that, yes, the church is going to be made up of individualized parts that make up the whole. Just like your body isn't all ears, it's not all eyes, it's not all nerves, it's not all toes, it's not all fingernails. It's tiny little systems, expertly woven together to create you as a person. And that's the way that the body of Christ is meant to be. But what we are seeing happen is that in the body of Christ, we have the hands telling the feet that they don't matter. But this is a place for everyone. Yeah, if I like you. It's a place for everyone if you pay your tithes. It's a place for everyone if you give regularly. It's only a place for everyone if you come to Wednesday Night Bible Study. It's only a place for everyone if you are consistent and you show up. But unfortunately, just to let you in on the secret, that's not why Jesus died on the cross. So we're going to have to start talking about some, some real life things. Yeah. And trust me, this conversation was difficult to have two weeks ago, a week ago, this morning, driving here, sitting in the back, walking up here and talking to you now. It's still very difficult to have because I'm guilty of this. Now, if you say you're not, I'm not going to call you out in church. But it'll be really bad to lie while you're in church. Just saying. Just saying. But we have to figure this out because if not, the church itself will not survive. When we are focused on pointing out the flaw as opposed to finding how can I help you. It says the church is woven up of people that share one spirit, one faith, and the God that we serve. So at its very basic core, that's the only thing we should care about. So if I don't see you for two years, that's okay. Because I still love you no matter what. You know, I, 
I had to get comfortable. Because um, I talked to the pastor, the co-pastor, about I have to be me. I have to be me. So I ditched the tie. I ditched the suit. I'm like, I'm just, you know, you're lucky I didn't come here with flip-flops and shorts on. But, but I have to be respectful. And I think what we're going to do within the next two weeks here is start to peel away all of the nonsense that we as religious people have built up as barriers to the actual people that are outside of the four walls of this building that we were meant to reach. It did my heart all the joy in the world to see you here today. Because I love the fact that new people show up. Not that I don't like all you other folks, because trust me, I love you. It's taken me some time to get to that point, but I love you. I can be honest. To the Cowboys fan in the back, I love you. Except on Sundays after four, it's okay. But these are things that we have to talk about today. If we as believers, as the body of Christ, are going to survive. So we're going to get into this a little bit and it talks about how we should be imitators of the Father. We should imitate the way Jesus lived his life. Guess what? He didn't hang out with the church mothers. Jesus didn't walk around with the deacon board. He didn't hang out with the bishops. Jesus hung out with dirty, grimy, bottom-of-the-barrel people. He hung out with lawyers, with tax collectors. <laughs> God forgive me. Prostitutes, That's, you know, drunkards, abusers, foul mouth talkers, cheats, liars. And he built his kingdom upon those types of folks. But we as the church, will put you out if you're any of those. That's why there's so much church hurt. Because we treat it like a country club. You know, 20 years ago, we couldn't live in the town that we live in. All of us. Because you're not allowed here. And we still have that same mentality when it comes to the building here. Well, I'm sorry. You don't look the part. You don't smell the part. You certainly don't talk the part. So you can't come in. But I'm almost certain that he called us to be fishers of men. All men. He didn't say be fishers of the church. He wants the unchurched people. He said you need to live your life an example to the guys that will never, ever, ever open up a Bible. You may be the only Bible that someone will ever see. And if that's the case, looking at some of the people that we call believers, you know what? I wouldn't trust God either. Now, that's difficult. That's difficult to hear. It's difficult to say. But it has to be said because I was that guy. You know, I can come in here on Sunday and smile on your face. And all the while, thinking about how I want to take my meaty hands, wrap them around your neck, and choke the life out of you. That's happened. I've been in church to see people praise God and say to myself, it don't take all that, and cast judgment upon people in church. And guess what? 
I am not the only one that felt this way. And that is what is eating churches alive from the inside out. Because at some point, we caught the revelation, we heard the good word, we believed, we received manifestation. And after that, we became exclusive. And we treat the goodness of God as if it's only for me and no one else. We pray all the time about, Lord, make me a distribution center. Bless me to be a blessing. Bless me so that I can bless everyone else. But guess what? You have no intentions of blessing anyone else. You have zero intention of distributing anything to anyone. So why would God bless you with anything? When you clearly are perverting his goodness, his grace, his mercy to fit your own need. So what happens on Sundays is that hot fire comes straight from the throne room and it is deposited into your soul. And what people do is they hoard what they've heard. Where, you know, oh, I got a word. Yeah, yes, that's great. But what are you going to do with that word? Who are you talking to? Who are you going to show? Who else can see that God is moving in your life? When does that take place? Because right now you, you want the folks to come in but we're constantly pushing them away. So which one is it gonna be? I think Dr. Seuss wrote a a story, there's an animal called a push me, pull me, and it just goes in the same direction. You know, it literally fights itself. Well, that's what the church is doing right now. So what's our contribution? What are we going to do moving forward? Just hearing this. Now we haven't dug into the 30 other verses that I have here, but this is something for you to think about. So Lord, am I contributing to my own downfall? Am I literally playing a role in my stunted growth because I want to hoard your word? The purpose here, and we'll read in a little bit, is to cast as wide of a net as possible so that we can draw as many people in. Because as a united block, you can do anything. Now, you have to forgive me. I like movies a lot. And because of my children, I watch Nemo all the time. Now there's a scene in this movie where this giant net goes out and it scoops up all of these fish. And at one point in time, someone had to lead them to say, stop fighting and let's go in that direction. That's right. So when they all got on one accord, with one mind, with one heart, unified, they literally started to drag the boat underwater. That's right. Because collectively together with one mission, they could accomplish anything. But what you have happen in church is that you have one guy who wants to go in one direction and you have other people cutting the net. Because I don't want to be collective with you. I want to be an individual. I want to to do my own thing. I don't really want to see from God for your benefit. I just want to do it for me. See now, the church was established to be the cornerstone of everything in your life. Yes because the church itself was the place where you run to to get help. And instead of running here, people are now seeking elsewhere to go because we have become ineffective. Now, it's the anniversary, and I'm not really trying to bring you down. But we gotta gotta get there. So let's keep going, let's look at uh, verse 22. We're still in 1 Corinthians 12. 
So verse 22, and I'm reading this in the Amplified, says, but instead there is absolute necessity for the parts of the body that are considered the more weak. And those parts of the body which we consider rather ignoble are the very parts which we invest with additional honor. And our unseemly parts and those unsuitable for exposure are treated with seamless modesty and decorum for which our more presumable parts do not require so much time. Let me stop for a second. Because folks have difficulty coming into church because they feel like they're insignificant. Like, well, I have to get myself together before I can come in. Because we program people to think that way. We've programmed folks to think that if you're dirty, you yourself have to clean yourself up before you're allowed into the holy place. But guess what? You can't clean yourself enough to get in here without the one that will cleanse you. So when we talk about all of these tiny insignificant parts, they're not insignificant. They may be weak, but it's your job as the church to build them up. It says, let's invest our time in these people that ultimately you would push out the door. Like, you know what, hey, I don't care if you have to talk to the pastor for two hours after service. You know why? Because it's worth his time. I don't care if you get in this prayer line every week because you know what? It's worth the time. Not everyone's going to be able to carry the weight of the entire group, but some folks can. But to the people that can't, we have to gird you up. So when we talk about building a place for everyone, we as the believers here have to understand that some of these folks aren't going to look like me. They're not going to look like you. In fact, they're probably not even going to act, talk, walk, smell, do anything like you do because their experience is different. So we have to start looking at the world from a wider lens as opposed to narrowing our scope because that's the reason why people reject God now. Because folks don't want to be judged. If I want to be criticized, I just stay at home. Like if I want somebody to talk about it, I just, I just go talk to my mom. I'll let, her con- I'll let her condemn me all she wants. Not you. If I want to be judged, I'll stay at home and let my wife dog me out. If I want to feel bad about myself, I'll look at the guy across the street that's got everything that I have, that I want to have. So we have to understand the place that people are coming into this building. And until we start renewing our mind and our thinking, we're not going to be able to impact the world at all. And the reason why this is so important, because if the church doesn't get right, then we can't lead the world. Verse 25 says, so that there should be no division or discord or lack of adaptation of the parts of the body to each other. The members all alike should have a mutual interest and care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the parts share the suffering. And if one member is honored, then all the members share in the enjoyment of it all. Verse 27 says, now you collectively are Christ's body. And individually you are members of it, each part, severally and distinct, each with his own place and function. Every single person on this planet is built to serve a role in the house of God. Every single person. Now, if you're the behind the scenes person, I can't force you up front because it's not your calling. So if you're a guy that's graced to walk the door, then you, you're on the door. So, so that still has value. If your job is to come in and sit in this chair and worship all day, then that's your job. 
and no one else is going to force you out of that because that's your job. We have been so concerned about fitting people into the mold that we want them to be in as opposed to letting God do his job. So it's God's job to stitch all of us together. We're just supposed to set the occasion for people to come in. That's all we're supposed to do. He said, listen, if we don't understand this one part right here, and um, you know what, verse 25, he said, all the members alike should have a mutual interest and care for one another. There are days where I can say out of my mouth that I don't care. There are days that I can say that about people. I don't care. There may have been a time where I've said those words about some people in this room. Now, this is just me being honest. I mean, I can't get up here and lie to you. I mean, well, I could, but I'd be doing you a disservice. And having this conversation and preparing for this message was like, you, sir, have to actually stop living a false reality and just be a real person. Yeah. And you have to admit your flaws because you're not perfect. And your false confidence that you have isn't helping you, it's hurting you. Because now what you're doing is that you're distancing yourself from the people that you should be attached to. And as a church, as a group of believers, yeah. we are meant to have a mutual investment in each other. Yeah. So when I don't see you, or if I don't see you, or if I don't see you, hey, I'm gonna be concerned about you, not because I wanna get in your business, because I wanna make sure that you're all right. Yeah. And I could be an answer to a problem that you may have. Oh, that's right. So when the body of Christ starts seeing themselves as answers to other people's problems, yeah. then you'll start to see some things change in your life. So, you know, it's tough, and we have to spend some time on doing this, but, um, you know, there's a lot to unpack, but we have to do it because, you know, right now we're, we're, we're falling down. We're supposed to bring people in to nurture them inside the church. And you know what happens when they get here? We cannibalize them. We eat them up. We eat them up because, oh, well, honey, I'm sorry, your skirt's a little too short. Or brother, you can't wear that ball cap in here. Or you know what? Did you just come back from the club? Yes, I did, but I'm in church. That's right. That should count for something. That's right. All right, well, you're here. Let's get them up front. Let's clean them up. But it's going to take a fundamental shift in who we are as people to really start impacting the world for the way that God wants us to do it. And I think the reason why folks don't adhere to this message is because it requires you to take some risks. Now, when the Great Commission was given, right, the 11 were witness to see Jesus come down and visit him. They were like, hey, I'm dead, now I'm back. Look at my hands, look at my feet, look at my side, I'm here. And some of those folks worshiped and were like, oh my God, Lord, it's really you. And some of them doubted. Now, the Message Bible says they held themselves back and wouldn't give themselves completely over to him. So now you've seen what God can do 
And as believers, you have seen what God can do. But yet and still, we hold bits and pieces of ourselves back, or we hoard that word because we think it may never come our way again. And that's the reason why folks don't get blessed the way they're supposed to. Because it's supposed to be a continual thing. Living your life through Christ and experiencing everything that he has to offer you. But we don't do it because we're afraid to take a risk and actually trust God the way we're supposed to. So at the end of the Great Commission, he talks about it. He's like, listen, I've done all these things. You've seen all of this. Now I want you to go out and tell the world what I have done. I want you to go out and tell the world what you've seen. And I want you to live this life the way that I lived my life. And just in case you get scared, I want you to know that I'm going to be with you forever. Yes, that's right. Forever. There's no scenario in which I'm going to leave you alone. Said, I'm with you from now until the sun falls out the sky. And even at that point, I'm still going to be with you. Said, so we as believers forget that because it's like, well, Lord, you blessed me the one time, and then we act like you can't do it again. It doesn't make any sense. You know, and what we have done is that we start to model improper behavior. So the people that we bring in, the people that actually stay after they've been bludgeoned and battered by the church people, the folks that still show up the following Sunday after we preach them to hell and back, after we beat them up with the tithe and the offering, after we slap them around with the Bible, the people that actually come back and return that stay, they then start to model our improper behavior. Yeah. So they do the same thing to other people. Yes. So what we have done, instead of being fishers of men, yes. we have become killers of men. Yes. We kill every single person yes. that comes through the door. Because we forgot how we got here. Yes. Now, I'm sorry. But that shouldn't be. The body of Christ has become an organization of rich young rulers that are willing to do just enough. Like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll pay my tithes. I'll, I'll, I'll do the offering and, you know, and I'll be obedient. I won't kill anyone. I won't steal. I won't do any of that stuff. said, I'm willing to do all of that. But there's a portion of myself that I refuse to give to you. And because they won't do that, because I won't do that, I don't receive all that God has for me. So you have an entire group of people that see themselves as rulers and not servants. Because we were meant to be servants and not rulers. I'm not quite sure when that message got perverted, like when it became uncool to help people, when it became uncool to love your neighbor, when it became something that the church doesn't do as to look past your faults. I don't know when that happened, but it certainly did happen. And it happened on our watch. And what God wants for you today is to create a place where people feel free to come. The church isn't a country club. You know what it is? It's a shelter. It's a bank. It's a hospital. It's a place where love lives. It's a place where goodness and abundance and mercy and grace flows freely. 
is a place where I come in and get fixed. Yes. And if I have to come here every day to get fixed, then guess what? Doors are open and that's where we'll be. We will be on our post. Yes. So it's going to require a shift in our thinking Amen. and the way that we operate if we really want to impact the world the way that God wants us to do it. Yes. It means I have to stop being so hateful to folks. That's right. That's right. That means I'm going to have to love everybody the way it says I'm supposed to. You know, the interesting part here is that when you read 1 Corinthians, the entire chapter 12, it lays out how you should live. And it follows up with chapter 13, which talks about how to love. He's like, so understand when you get inside this body, all of the parts matter. You're important, you're important, you're important, you're important. And I've stitched you all together so that you can function as a unit, bringing more people into the body. And when you bring them in, I'll clean them and fix them and stitch them to you and you'll be a bigger body. And once that's all happened, once that's all finished, yes. now you have to continue to love each other. That's right. That's right. People get in and they forget everything else that's required. Yes. Because we've become so fixated on what God can give to me as opposed to what I can give to him. Yes. Through him. Yes. For him. Yes. For other folks. Yes. You know, the message of um, it's already done yeah. is powerful it if is. you understand this one point. Now, it talks about living your life the way Christ wants you to live, right? So how did Christ live his life? He just loved people. He didn't worry about a mortgage payment. He didn't worry about his job. He didn't worry about the kids. He didn't worry about mom and them. He didn't worry about any of that other stuff. Right. You know why? Because all of those provisions were already yeah. met yeah. and made. They were already there for you to partake in. He didn't have to worry about how's it gonna happen. It was just already done. Yeah. So his focus wasn't on Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me. His focus was how can I help somebody else? That's right. When it talks about seek me first and his righteousness, yes. his way of doing and being right. Yes, so that right. if you just seek me first, just seek me, just yes. seek me, just seek yes. me, just seek yes. me, just come and find me yes. and do what I'm asking you to do, then everything else in your life I'll take care of. That's that's how you're supposed to live. Say, so you, I don't need you wearing yourself into a hospital bed. So because I'm going to take care of everything else. I don't need you worrying about what the guy across the street has because I'll bless you too. I don't need you to worry about if the guy sitting next to you in the church pew doesn't smell right. So it doesn't matter because he's here. What I need you to do is show him love. That's what I need you to do is show love. Church, a place for everyone requires us to show love to everyone all of the time. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, imitate God, copy and follow him. Walk continually in love. Yes. Unselfishly seek the best for others. Right. When the church starts to seek the best for other people, and not the offering plate, yes. not the coffers, not the books that I can sell, not the CDs that I can push on you, not the t-shirts and the merchandise. When the church actually wants you to just see the best for everyone else yeah. and not just themselves, Amen. the church will be taken care of. That's yeah. right. That's You'll be taken care of because he promised it to you. Yes. So, so these are the things that we have to focus on now. So when you get a minute, look at Hebrews 12 and it talks about 
casting away all of these things that will beset you. Yeah. Said, clear out the nonsense. Yes. Because ultimately, I just want you to live a free life. Ultimately, I want you to live a free life so that you can attract other people into the, into the room, yeah. into the building, into the yeah. family, because this is what I need you to do. Yes. I need you to be fishers of men. Yeah. I need you to show the love of God to all people all of the time, no matter the occasion, no matter the circumstance or the situation. This is what's required. Imitate and follow Christ the Messiah. Now, I'm, I'm over my time and I got a lot more, but that's why I have another week. But I want, you to take, I want you to take this seriously. Because if not, we'll just be doomed to repeat the same nonsense over and over again. And, you know, I, I was tired of it. Pretty sure God's tired of it. Pretty sure you gotta be tired of it. Because we haven't started to receive all that God has for us yet. Is, is anyone living in the overflow yet? But we're getting there, right? Yes. We can handle this. We can handle this. We'll be well on our way. Yes. So this is what's going to be required. Yes. Is that okay? You know what? Just like I had to do some self-examination, which was... <laughs> Nobody likes that. So Lord, show me where I'm missing the mark. Show me where I'm falling short. Because I don't want to be responsible for someone not receiving from you. I don't want to be the guy responsible for a person not seeking your face ever again. I don't want to be responsible for someone living a life of lack because they chose not to listen to this good word because of something that I did. And if that's the case, Lord, forgive me. Because, you know, this mouth of mine is brutal. She'll know. So I think, um, like I said, you know, we're not going to get crazy. But I need you to think about it. Because ultimately, God wants to get you to a place, you know, where, where we can hoop and holler and we can talk about, you know, expanding territories and, you know, money coming and all that kind of stuff and prosperity and all that. That's great. He said, but it will never come. It will never come. Hear me. Yeah. It will never come until we decide to actually live the way Christ wants us to live. Live the way that he lived. So if you do that, then we'll be okay. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to support this ministry, consider giving online. Text keyword RWOLFC to 77977 or through our free app. Search R Wolf C in the App Store. For more information, visit www.rwolfc.com for articles, blog posts, message references, and our monthly calendar of events.